everybody. Welcome to another edition of the One Step Better podcast. I am Mike Schaefer, and with me today is Greg Henderson. Um, and we got a special treat for you guys. Um, on the call today is both Connie Rayleigh and Alexis Allen with MGC Kids um, over in Arkansas. We're going to talk to them a little bit about their story, how they got started, what they do, all of that type of stuff. And so we're having a good time. So uh, ladies, I really appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule to actually talk to us uh, this afternoon. Yeah, thanks for inviting us. Yeah, absolutely. I want to I want to give you guys an opportunity because you'll be able to say it a lot better than I could uh, to talk to our listeners about what you guys do over at MGC Kids, uh, the communities you serve, and how you got started. Absolutely, well, Alex. I would love for you to tell them what we do. Okay, I'll be happy to jump in then. So. We are a children's activity center. So that encompasses gymnastics, cheerleading, childcare, a ninja program. And when I say childcare, an after school program for school aged kids, and then a, a Mother's Day out program uh, for preschool kids. And that's just a few of the things we do. So we are in a small community called Mall Mill. And um, it's a beautiful thing. We started a long time ago in our local community center. And um, mom, I'll let you dig into this a little bit more in a bit, but uh, we've grown into our own facility over the years, but we keep growing and expanding. And so when I said that that's just one of the things we encompass, some of the things we have done over the years is we have a yoga program. Um, We've had what's called drama kids. We've had an outdoor adventure program. That was really cool. So the things I, I first mentioned are our core, but we do a ton of things in the community and are always looking for new and fun things to help serve our kids and our families. How, so that's a, that's a big niche of wanting to serve kids in the community. How did all of this come about? Oh, that one's you. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I was trying to do the math and, and Mike, you're the accountant. So I'll let you do the math. We think we started in about 1985. So what, what does that make us? Are we 40 years now? It's it, we? Uh, 35 ish. Yeah. Getting close. Yeah. 35. So, um, mm-hmm. That, that long ago, my children were very small and, um, I just started teaching a few gymnastics classes at our local community center. Our town was small. I had maybe three kids. I'd fold out some mats. I had a little wooden balance beam and I would just go a couple nights a week and just loved what I did. I had already started my gymnastics coaching career at YMCA. So that was just a really welcoming feeling to me just to be in a place that was a part of the community. So as our town grew, so did the gymnastics program. And before long, they moved me from the little room I was in to a bigger room. (laughs) And then I had to start hiring people because it just got to be more than one person could do. And then fast forward, probably another eight years later, and we had taken over three floors of the community center. They had actually expanded the community center and built us our own space thinking it would be big enough, but it wasn't (laughs) the town kept growing. We kept growing. So we were on the top floor in our designated space and then down in the basketball gym when they would allow us to be. And so, um, it just finally got to the point where we, there wasn't any more space for us to take over. So it was time to make the big decision. Do we go out on our own or do we stay here and start scaling back? And, um, we just love 
loved what we were doing. And we had such, and still do a team of people that feel the same way we do. And, um, being a part of the community and we were involved in every event because right there in the community center, which is the heart of our town. So it was just a beautiful story with so many people along the way, lending their talents and their strengths just to make it bigger and stronger. So we finally did. I remember one day walking into the community center and you know, when you're trying to make a big decision like that and it's a big risk and you're really stepping out of your comfort zone, you look for signs, right? No, you kind of look for a sign. (laughs) So I don't even know, it must've been the end of fall and I'm walking in and all the trees are bare of leaves except for this one leaf. And it's just hanging on. And I remember looking at that leaf thinking, that's me. Why am I hanging on to this <laughs> secure, wonderful, loving you know, place that has just embraced me and helped me grow to where we are? Um, but it was just in my mind, God's way of telling me it's time to let go, Connie, like step out there. And, um, I've always had my family that has supported me also. I don't think Alex ever remembers a time when I wasn't coaching. No, I was one in 1985. So. <laughs> I, love yeah. I was yeah. one in 85. I was 10. I was one. I was so. one. I literally grew up taking naps on wedges and underneath parachutes. So yeah. And so how do you not remember that? I don't get it. I don't remember. Or I do remember all of that. Yes. Uh, that's yeah, for sure. I absolutely remember her coaching my entire life. So Connie, um, in 85, you made the decision that, you know what, you were going to go do this as an entrepreneur. You weren't going to go look for a coaching job somewhere. Um, what made you, what was the drive inside of you that decided, you know, what, I'm going to go open up my own business essentially all the way back then. That is a great question. <laughs> um, so my number one strength is responsibility. And I think I, a lot of it, purely and simply had to do with, I felt like that was my responsibility because there were all these people and families depending on us to offer in my mind, these services to their children. And I just, I didn't want to turn anybody away. And we were at the point where we were going to have to start making those decisions. You know, it was going to be time to, scale back. Like who does that? That would just feel so strange. So, um, yeah, it was purely, I think it's a sense of responsibility to our community. (laughs) That's great. Could you ever envision yourself working for somebody else now? (laughs) No, look at Alex laughing. (laughs) (laughs) We've had these conversations. Yes. So I've, I've come to realize recently that I've, I have more control issues than I thought. Mine are just really (laughs) subtle. I like controlling my environment. It makes me feel safe, but, um, um, we have a phenomenal team. And so I've been able to let go of a lot because of the work that we've done with you all. And, um, I really trust my team and they're, they're better at what they do than what I am at what they do. So it's easier to let go when you're letting go to to somebody who's, who's got it. Yeah. So Alex, when did you first really, I guess, officially get involved other than, you know, you're hanging around the gym all the time, but actually officially get involved in in helping run the business. 
Yeah. Other than being in a walker running up and down the vault runway. Um, yeah. So I started coaching, I think when I was around 16, there's no real record of when that actually happened. Um, it is funny though. We have a family that came in just a few years ago that the mom, cause our town is small and it used to be, we had one stoplight and everybody knew everybody it's different now. It's much bigger, but she walked in and she said, uh, cause we used to, uh, back in the day, my mom also went to a lot of daycares and taught classes within the daycare. And so the mom came in, this, this was just a few years ago. And she said, Oh, I remember when, and this was the mom. So she remembered when she was a little girl, she was in one of those daycares and I was coaching her as being like, I don't know, seven or eight. Cause I would go with my mom. So when I officially started, I'm not sure. I think I've been coaching my whole life as well. Um, <laughs> Yeah, but I did go away to college and I had a job. Um, I mean, I had a couple of jobs. I owned my own uh, swim lesson business. I private swim lesson business. I was the merchandise manager for the minor league baseball team here. And that was really cool. If any of you know what the winter meetings are, I got to go and that was awesome. Um, But after that is when I think I came back in more of a a permanent and also not just a coaching role, but more of an administrative role. Um, and I just missed the kids because, you know, my mom keeps saying it was her responsibility and that's because of the strength finders test she took and she saw that, but the rest of us would tell you all that came from just a drive in her heart and that this place has always been led by just her heart. And a lot of businesses aren't led from that direction. A lot of businesses are led from more of a logical or business point of view where she just always made choices. What's in the best interest of that child? What's in the best interest of that family? You know, what can we do to give more to people? So that's a completely different environment to work in. And I think really more than anything, that's why I came back and I stayed. Yeah. So over the 30 year evolution of what you guys are doing, what are some of the ups and some of the downs that you guys have experienced? Plenty. <laughs> We're a business. Plenty. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The ups, I mean, we have a phenomenal community. I think that got mentioned before, even during COVID, one of the programs we ran when it very first hit was uh, any family who wanted or could to continue paying something or anything that we would hold that money. And then when COVID was kind of, I don't know, quote unquote over, when classes started back, we would use that as a credit on their accounts. And we were completely blown away by the people that didn't hesitate and, and they weren't even like, Hey, I'll give $20. I'll pay my full tuition, which for some people during, I mean, it's a couple hundred during COVID. If you have a couple hundred, if you have multiple kids and during COVID, that was a big deal. So that's definitely up. Um, we do get really good families in here. I don't know how to explain that, but that's always up. Um, and just seeing our, our people in our community rally, anytime. Cause I think as a, a small business that's family owned, I mean, which challenge do you want to know about? <laughs> or which else do you want to know about? I mean, there are so many and they're, they're always going to be here and be coming. Um, but we were just talking about this the other day. There's always as many good things as there are challenges. If you look, uh, mom, can you think of anything specific? I feel like I'm being really general. You know, I think for me, some of the the tough times, I'm going to call them, were when I lost a really key person, you know, when it, when they moved on, you know, for whatever reason in their life, a lot, it, it's hard because 
people are family here. We have a lot of our former athletes that are now on our staff and part of our, our family and our team. So we become very invested and very, and very close. And so sometimes, you know, life changes, your circumstances change and, and they would, you know, need to leave. And it was, it was difficult on both sides. And especially if they were a key person, because our students, our athletes get very connected to the kids and the families. And I like to think that each of our program directors, I call them, they're the hero of their own program, you know? So it's, uh, it's tough when you, when you have a, somebody that's in a, a pretty hot position, move on. Those are the hard ones. It's usually people, right? It's people. Yeah. It, yeah that's, that's, that's a pretty common, uh, reply that we get people, you know, Running a business is super easy until people get involved and then things get to be complex and there's no way around it. I want you to take me back to that first person at the point, Connie, where you realize I, I can't keep doing this alone. I got to bring somebody on board. That first hire, walk me through kind of what was running through your head, the decision-making process there. Well, at that point, most of what I did was teach gymnastics classes so I probably taught seven to nine gymnastics classes every day. I would start my morning going to a childcare facility and doing an on-site preschool class. Then I would come home and have enough time to eat. And I'd turn around and go to the community center where the kids, the school age kids were getting out of school. And then I would teach, you know, until probably seven 30 at night and just lug my children around with me. Cause we're all about just bringing your kids with you. It's one of the special things about our facilities. We actually have a room for our staff kids and it's manned or staffed with somebody who takes exceptionally good care. She's called Mimi. She's a grandma and she's sweet. <laughs> but um, so awesome. when I realized really physically point. this was getting to be a lot besides the administrative part, um, I did hire one of my athletes, which is a pattern with us and it works really well. And, um, she was incredible. And when she, so she stuck with me through high school, through college after she graduated, but then she got engaged and she graduated. It was time for her to take a big girl job. So that was my first person I had to let go of. And I, I really thought this was the end of my business. <laughs> You know, I was at that point, I was so green and so naive. I thought, how am I ever going to replace her? And, um, you know, her fiance was even working for us at that time. So, um, and she, she was amazing and still is, but yeah. So that was my first person, my first little clone. <laughs> <laughs> how did you get into the gymnastics space? What's your, what's your background that drew you towards that? Oh, that's a great question. So um, when I was younger, I was very much into ballet and ballet is the foundation of gymnastics. So eventually as I got a little older, I just started doing cartwheels and you know, all those things in the grass in my front yard, started taking gymnastics classes, just, you know, did that basically through high school. And then when I went to college, I was going to be a buyer, you know, for a clothing store. That was my goal in life, but I was funding my own college. And I did that by coaching gymnastics. The summer I got out of, um, 
I graduated from high school, I was working at a YMCA as a day camp counselor. And of course I was teaching my kids how to do cartwheels and handstands in the grass. And the coach at the Y came and found me and said, Hey, I could really use some help. Would you like a job? Oh, wow. And I'm like, well, sure. So, um, before I knew it, I wasn't just teaching class. I was coaching and going to gymnastics meets and, and learning everything that I could about how to be a gymnastics coach and just loved it. But while going to college and paying for my college, and then eventually about halfway through college, a brand new YMCA opened up in another town and they offered me, I was also teaching fitness classes. So they offered me the gymnastics and fitness director position at the age of 20, making more than my friends who were graduating from high school. And school wasn't really my thing because guess what? I made a D in accounting. So it was just, <laughs> I was like, Shane would be laughing right now, but he stopped me a lot. If I'd had him for a teacher, I think I could have made a C, maybe a B, but um, yeah. I made a D. And that's when I realized that school really wasn't my jam, but I was loving what I was doing. So I accepted that job at this brand new, beautiful Y. And um, I taught fitness and gymnastics classes all day long, every day, and was so happy. That's, that's like, that goes way back. You know, yeah. Just as a kid, you like gymnastics right? and decide to make a career out of it. That's really but it cool. wasn't a choice. That's what's so interesting. It's like it, it was decided. God had a plan for me a long time ago. I just didn't realize there what it, it was. Yeah. yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. So, Alex, what, what, what's your degree yet? What did you say you were, uh, was it marketing? Uh, um, my degree is in public relations and I have a minor in marketing. I did the, I was the merchandise, uh, manager for gotcha. the Travs though, the minor league baseball team. Yeah. And so whenever, you know, you went off and got your big girl job there for a little bit, what brought you back to, to really kind of key in on, <laughs> uh, the family business? Yeah. The really honest answer there, um, I, so the apple doesn't fall too far from the tree. Really, I didn't like school much. Um, <laughs> so I did, though. I, I, yeah, I finished and got my degree. Um, but I actually, I'm pretty sure my mom and my, yeah, we're just, I don't, I'm trying to think. Oh, I know what it was. Okay, got it. Sorry, it took me a minute to wrap around that. I still had my job as the merchandise manager. Um, but I was doing that and I don't know how much you guys know about the hours working for a minor league baseball team, but they're pretty extreme. Um, especially during the season. Cause on a game day, you still have to be at work at eight and you're there till about one o'clock in the morning by the time the game has stopped and you run all your reports and everything. But I was doing that and going to school full time. So I had fit in all my classes in the morning. I'd come straight, like 7 a.m. to whatever time classes came straight to work or about 11. And then on game days, which a homestand can be, you know, it can be three days. It can be eight days. It can be 11 or 13. Um, but I was working then and trying to do my homework and studying all the stuff while I was running this entire area of the ballpark. Um, so it just got to be too much. And this is going to sound awful, but the simple and easy thing was to just slide back into the family business. And I, I mean, preschool is my jam. I, I coached competitive team for forever, but going in there and working with those preschoolers, um, I could do that. And I, I wouldn't have to be up till one o'clock in the morning, <laughs> and, yeah. you know, it was just gonna, uh, it was going to be fulfilling, even though I loved my job I had and, um, it was, it was going to be a better match. So 
that's how I slid back into it. And they give great hugs around here. Um, your boss at a ballpark is not going to give you a hug. Um, so <laughs> not, not quite I, as friendly, right? <laughs> no, but if you teach like four preschool classes a day, you're going to get, I mean, at least 32 hugs in a day. So, uh, that's a much better scenario, much more loving environment. So I did that until I finished school and then I, um, was enjoying what I was doing. So I stayed. That's awesome. Pretty good. So, uh, you know, looking out in the next, five, 10 years, um, you know, whatever that, that, uh, horizon looks like for you guys, what do you, what do you think is next? Where are y'all going? That's a great question. So I mentioned earlier that we always are, are open-minded to whatever comes our way. We're big believers in having a growth mindset and even like to train on that here. Uh, and one of the things that has come our way, fortunately through COVID is we have a nutritionist that we've always, um, really admired what she does. She has come and done cooking classes with our kids and, we were able to rent a space to her through COVID. And so now she's actually working out of our space. And we've always really thought that we, we want to eventually be a hub, not just for the physical side of, of children and families, but also for the nutritional, the mental, um, you know, parenting, we eventually want to be more of a hub of information. So anything and everything family and children related, um, I don't, I don't know that wellness is really the word, but it might be. Um, but we would like to move in a way of just helping families because we see um, places where there's just no information to be given. Probably a great example. So there are articles at one of our governing bodies for gymnastics is USA Gymnastics. And they'll put out some wonderful, wonderful articles. And one of my favorites is one about simply what to do when you pick your, your kid up from practice. Um, especially if there's a skill they've been struggling with. So great examples of back handspring. That's a, a skill that you could have it. And then you might get what a lot of people in the industry call a mental block. So a kid just stops throwing it. They feel like they can't, um, but they physically can. So we'll just use that as an example. So let's say, let's use you, Greg. Let's say that you dropped your daughter off at gymnastics and she's struggling with that back handspring. And then you pick her up after class. And the moment she gets in the car, you say, Hey, how did that back handspring go? Well, you just put a lot of pressure on your daughter and she probably doesn't want to answer whether it went well there or you go, it Greg. Yeah. Good job. I would Greg. do that by the way. That, that would be me. Oh, that's hilarious. Okay. Well, let me keep, keep teaching then. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, and this is something that I learned from USAG, but, um, but that would put a lot of pressure on that child because, you know, if they didn't get it, they, they really don't want to have to admit that, you know, um, and if they did get it, here's the thing, when they got in the car, they're going to be excited and they're going to tell you. So really the best thing you can do for your child is let them get in the car and have that time to decompress, especially if they're a competitive athlete and they've been practicing for multiple hours. You know, they've been practicing for multiple hours. Same thing, picking your kids up from school. If you just picked them up from school, they've been doing that for hours. Let them have time to decompress. And guess what? I have an eight-year-old boy. And when he gets in the car and I say, Bo, how was your day? He's like, eh, I don't know. And he tells me nothing. When I let him get in the car and have that like 10, 12 minutes to decompress, guess what? If you wait, he starts telling me almost everything. Um, or if I give him that time and then I just say a statement like, um, this is going to be a horrible example, but it's, it's what came to mind. Um, you're in a great mood. You seem like you had a great day today. I didn't ask, but he'll start telling me all about it. So it's really important that kids have that time to decompress. And just as parents, we just don't think about that. Um, because it That's just so takes, 
yeah, it takes them a little bit longer to let it settle and let it sit. Um, and there's just in our trainings, there's all kinds of tips and information like that, that not only do we seek out cause it's in our hearts, um, but that's given to us through our governing body. So we would love to be a hub and start sharing more of that in our community, our family. So that's an area that we'd like to expand and go in. I love that it, it, it ties to what their, their mission is about off the mat, right? Yeah, they want to do stuff off the mat, but you know they also want to do stuff off the mat. And I, I love that. If you can talk a little bit more into that, that'd be great. Yeah, so we've always uh, been really big into the mental side of training. And I probably should tie this one back to my dad a little bit. He, so let's back up a touch, little family history. I'm one of four girls. Um, and yes, that's a lot of girls. My poor dad, we've always had boy dogs. So (laughs) yes. Um, (laughs) well, yeah, that too. Um, but he coached a lot of our teams and he even coached sports that he was an athlete, but he just never had never played. So he learned a lot about them, but really, as I was growing up, I was in this unique spot. Um, cause everybody's always like, what level gymnast were you? Well, I would tell you I was an athlete cause I played a lot of sports, but I got to watch my parents coach. And so I think I was more raised in this, this world of getting to see these two people coach and learning how to be a coach from a young age. And what my dad always really focused on was the mental side of coaching. Um, and that's so, so important. You can take a team. It kind of reminds me of like the bad news there movies that even if they don't know how to play this sport, if you can, if you can help them mentally, um, get into a, a place that they will be the most effective, um, and conscious discipline talks about this too. If you've ever studied conscious discipline, but if you can help children get to a problem solving executive state of mind, then they're going to be more effective at whatever they're doing. So Here at the gym, one of the big things that is very important to us, and it's in our mission statement, like Greg mentioned, is training kids even off the mat. So that means possibly mentally training them. So mental toughness is huge. That goes back to that block and that back handspring if a child has a mental block. Well, there is mental toughness. There's visualization. There's all kinds of things you can do with those kids. Um, Nutrition. When I was coaching competitive gymnastics team, I had an athlete that – would eat donuts (laughs) before a meet and about three events in she would be shaky. like either if she depending on how many she ate she would either be really shaky on the beam if that's what we hit for our third event or um she would just be crashing so um teaching the athlete that you eat to be an athlete and that's really important too how you word it and how you phrase it we eat to be an athlete we eat to perform it's not about our bodies or any, our body image. It's about what is going to drive us and fuel us as an athlete and the type of sport we're doing. Um, by the way, I learned with her, I started bringing little snacks (laughs) because even we could talk all day about not eating those donuts. They were still getting eaten before meat. Um, but I learned the timing of like when to sneak her a snack and it helps sustain her energy throughout a meat. Uh, but all of those components are so important. And then the breathing, oh my goodness, teach a child how to breathe, teach a child that when you feel like you're alone by yourself, taking a test at school, guess what? You can come back to your breath. You can slow down. Your breath will settle your nervous system. There are breathing techniques you can do. So you have tools. You're not just by yourself at that desk, helpless taking this test. Like there are tools. So all of that is very, it it works in here where we're at. Um, We used to choreograph breaths into gymnastics routines. Um, 
So teaching them when to stop and take a breath. Um, we have in our after school program, we taught a yoga class for a while that focused on breathing and what I just said, like when you feel out of control, what can you control? You can control that breath. So really teaching these kids on and off the mat is, is huge for us. I probably dove a little too deep into it. Sorry, Greg, but it's, it's a really big piece of what we do. We like to not just train our athletes physically, but also the, all the other sides, because there's so many mentally, emotionally, et cetera. So what I hear you guys saying both at the beginning and then Alex, what you're just kind of talking through is you have a really strong sense of community, uh, both in Maumelle, but also within your team specifically. Uh, and you care deeply about helping kids and families. You know, here at Patrick Accounting and Works, we always like to jump in and talk through those things from the standpoint of your why. We call it, you know, what's your why? Uh, in, our, in our world, yeah, we're a for-profit accounting firm, but that's not what really drives us. Doing accounting isn't fun for anyone, even accountants for the most part, <laughs> at least the kind of accountants <laughs> that we hire. Um, but we can look at the accounting work is, is a function that we have to do in order for our why to be accomplished, which is to help small businesses win, then that gives them the ability to change their communities. Um, and so I want to know a little bit about why do you care so deeply about your community? Why do you care so deeply about helping kids and families? Are you taking this one? Uh, that one? <laughs> you can tackle it first if you want. Well, that came from a personal experience growing up. I just feel really strongly that, that people, children are born with gifts and talents and it's up to us to, to bring it out in them and, and not to decide for them and um, not to rush them, to let them discover their beautiful gifts on their own on their own pace. Um, I was gifted in ballet and gymnastics naturally because you're born with a certain amount of flexibility and strength, but I was rushed through it. I get just getting put, you know, higher and higher in that next level class. And, um, it, it wasn't a good thriving environment for me. So yes, physically I could do the things, but mentally I wasn't prepared to do those things. And so as a result, I quit. And I've seen that same story play out over and over again, different scenarios, different versions, um, with other children. So it really, the, it really, there's a deep rooted, um, just passion to help those children find what, what they're good at and let them do it at their own pace so that they continue to do it and enjoy it. And we, as adults don't take the fun out of it, you know, and turn it into a part-time job. (laughs) Um, and so that it comes from this very deep seated, you know, pulling from my own experiences, watching others. And I'm not afraid to tell a parent, (laughs) Um, if they're not a good fit for us, if they're extremely highly competitive and, and I especially don't think from what I'm seeing that it's in their child's best interest, I'm not afraid to tell them and help them find maybe a different facility that is better suited because that's not us. So it really drives and comes from my personal experience. 
That's awesome. Alex, do you have anything to add and to the that foundation? Yeah, the, the foundation of this place is that message in her heart. Anybody that has worked here over the 35 years will tell you um, that we celebrate every victory a child has, even if it's as small as they finally point their left toe in their cartwheel, um, <laughs> because every child's experience is different. Some kids that cartwheel may be the biggest skill they ever get. Some it'll be the double full, but both of those should be celebrated equally. And then the mental aspects, like she was just talking about, um, We've heard that story a lot too. And so we will never rush a child and everybody knows, um, especially in preschool, there are kids that are physically very capable. So you just challenge them um, a little bit more in class. There are small things that you can do to just give them little challenges. So if nobody's held back, everybody's working at their own pace, but you don't move them to the next level because that defeats the child. You want to keep them in a space where they're succeeding and they're doing well. Um, so that is the foundation above anything else around here is that we do, we celebrate everybody's success and we really do let those kids move at their pace. Um, we've, by the way, really never just said, Hey, you need to get out of here to anybody. Um, <laughs> I've never but, said that. <laughs> I know that's what I'm saying. You have not. Um, we just tell I them. I love the little bit of marketing in there, right? Thanks. Yeah. Um, but we tell them what we're all about and we do want them to be somewhere where it's a good fit. And most people, really enjoy that little niche that we have. We're not trying to make your kid an Olympian. You've got less than 1% chance of that. We're trying to help them be the best that that individual child can be. And that's a really important message. And it's really powerful when kids know that you don't have to be more than you are. You just, we're just trying to help you be the best version of yourself and where you want to go. And, and whatever that looks like is perfectly okay. That's great. You know, there's a difference between, Hey, I think you need to leave. And are you sure you need to be here? Yeah. <laughs> Both did I, did I say that? Did I say that? Well, I, I was just to. kind of, no, okay. you're okay. good. And we have so many code. phenomenal, yeah, we have, <laughs> and we do, we have so many phenomenal gyms around us that all have their own niche. So if we do see somebody that we're like, ah, oh, we think you should go look at that gym. We just think it would be a really good fit for you. It's really coming from a wonderful, loving place. So, well, but that's, that's just an indication of you understand your why and what you're trying mm -hmm. to accomplish. And if there is a parent that isn't in line with that, then you know it's not going to be successful for either you nor them. Right. And it's, uh, right. you know, it's important to help sometimes coach people up, but it's also important sometimes to help coach people out. And uh, I think that's a perfectly reasonable thing to do. We so work Connie hard Alex, to, go ahead. Oh, Sorry. Oh, I was going to say, we work really hard to keep good relationships with the other gyms so that we can really find the best place for a child to grow and thrive and just be all they're meant to be. Yeah. And that's important. It, it, that, that's so very important so that you do understand the landscape around you and you find that ideal customer is what we call it. Um, to, cause that's where, you know, that, that what you're, you're doing, you're passionate about doing is really going to find, uh, uh, meet a need that, that somebody else has. And those, that's what, you know, that's, what's fun about sure. work. Um, nobody wants to come in and punch a clock and deal with people that don't really jazz you up. So, well, Connie and Alex, I really appreciate you guys taking the time to talk with this afternoon and uh, getting to know a little bit more about your story. Help our listeners, if they want to learn more about, um, about you guys, where can they find you? How do they get in contact with you? Go out. Uh, oh, oh, yeah, I got this part. Uh, mgckids.com. And just to make sure everybody caught that, uh, the MGC 
stands for Maumel Gymnastics and Cheer. So MGC Kids with an S on the end.com. Uh, we're also on Facebook, so you can find us there. And then this is a fun one. Greg, I don't think you know this, but our phone number is actually 501-753-KIDS again. So K-I-D-S. So um, that's the perfect way to find us, reach out to us. And we are those owners that when you call, if you want to talk to us, we're happy you know, to chat, but we have the most incredible loving staff. Luckily, not luckily, I think that it was purposefully done, but all that heart that my mom created this place with has just attracted more of that. So we have a phenomenal team and anybody is more than happy to answer questions. Very good. Well, like I said, thank you guys for joining us. For our listeners out there, we really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to spend some time listening to uh, stories about small businesses and how we can help and be involved in helping small businesses win. If you have any questions for us, uh, you can always email us at one step better at patrickaccounting.com. Um, you can find us on Facebook, LinkedIn, all the social media places that are actually listed right here, as well as uh, leave us a comment or a rating on Spotify, YouTube, wherever it is that you're listening to this podcast. And we would love to hear from you. So once again, thanks for listening. And I hope you guys have a great day.